Love the participation. Good on the clapping. Well done. Remember, because it's been a while since we've played that one, hasn't it? Exactly. How are we all feeling? All feeling all right? Good? Yeah, chill. Liking the calmer weather, not too hot. Still got some time to go. That's all right. We'll see if it's gone completely or not. I don't think so, maybe, but we'll see. That's it. And like Karen said, this will be a very familiar scripture. If you haven't read this one or haven't heard of it, I'd be, I'd be surprised. Or you're very new and welcome. But I'm going to start with something else. Do you make your bed every day? Every single day? Raise your hands if you do it every single day. Every single day? Great. Okay. Or here's the other option, and it's okay. I'll start to raise my hand now. Do you leave it all messy and just hop in each night at times? Where? We're imperfect people worshipping a perfect God. It's okay to not make your bed sometimes. It's all good. Whether it's tucked in, ladies, gentlemen, Queen's Corners, is that still a thing? Yeah, all that little tuck and roll and whatever it is. Pillows, they're actually making stuff for blokes. But I think obviously women can buy it as well, where they have these special pull tabs and it tells you which corner of the bed to do and makes it nice and easy. I'm hoping that's a good thing for people who are maybe struggling with strength as well one day, but that's beside the point. Your pillows are in place, maybe, what was that? It is a full workout. Like, I think they should make rooms bigger just so you can put all your beds in the middle so you can get around your bed, but they don't seem to do that. So a kid's bed is almost the hardest sometimes, up against the wall and all the other mess that comes with that. But you put your pillows in place. There's too many pillows, Karen, because the decoration is important as well. It's got to look pretty. But what does your bed say about you? It's, it's a metaphor, so go with me, all right? I know that Karen loves for the bed to be pulled up and the sheets straightened out, all the pillows in place, and by all the pillows, a loose count, you wouldn't be able to do it on two hands. It's great to jump on just to be annoying, but then you've wrecked the pretty display and then Karen's angry at me, but oh well. Does it happen every day? Certainly not. But it is the goal. Like the goal for, for us, like it makes you feel good for some reason that the bed's made. When we wake up a little late or don't get ready quick enough in the morning, and I'm just going to throw it out there, we, we, we've got, I'm, gonna, I'm not blaming them, but we, we've got kids and we've got to get to school and I just don't wake up early enough half the time. Sometimes you're, you're not making time for making a bed. If we wake up feeling the pressure of the day that's coming at us at well from the moment our eyes open... It, it might just be the fact that, like in my earlier years of life, that the sheets are just quickly pulled up to at least fake the idea that you've made the bed. But a made bed holds this sense of, well, it does for us, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling energised, and I feel a bit on top of things, or at least it can give us that feeling to maybe kickstart a day if you do it at the start. The opposite might tell us something else completely. And this could be said about the whole house, really, but I'm staying with the whole bed metaphor. So apply it to whatever you think is applicable to yourself. Now, I'm tall. I'm pretty tall for most people. I've met some taller people. Ash is pretty tall. And I actually, if I get into a made bed, I'd like to instantly just kick the ends out because... I need to loosen up those sheets. But Karen likes it to be all together and tucked in. Like I think if you would have someone come in and tuck you in at night, you'd feel pretty pretty good about that. Do you want me to start doing that for you? And then I'll probably just get in the other side and kick, kick it all out. I'm tall so my toes feel all cramped up at the end when it's all tucked in, but it looks great prior to that. So I get the feeling of a nicely made bed as well. I totally understand it, but I'm well prepared to wreck it when I get in. 
Yes, it makes more work in the morning, if we get around to it, to put it all back together, but that just becomes a preference thing. We st- it thinks, I, so that Karen reckons that means I have to do it because I'm the one reckoning it, which is probably true. And I've probably got longer arms to reach the bits. We still like a freshly made bed to get into before we might then adjust it to ourselves individually, right? When I was a teenager who didn't stop for two seconds to think about a bed, uh, living impulsively, moment to moment, bouncing around doing things, the need for a bed to be made felt pretty unnecessary to me, I'll say. And I generally only ever also had a top sheet. Like there wasn't a quilt or a dune or anything like that because I get very hot easily. So I don't worry about that. If I can put a sheet over the top, I'm good. No one likes to sweat and stuff like that. So that was that's my live reality. But my chaotic life was reflected because I was all over the place doing all sorts of things, thinking I was being productive, probably not so much as a teenager, but was reflected in my bed state. That's what I'm saying anyway. I'm going to pull at strings a little bit here and say that the bed I made or didn't make was the bed I lied in. Have we heard that sort of phrase before? We make our bed, we lie in it. It is still the same today and really what this boils down to is choice and you've probably heard us speak on that word a little bit lately. My life reflects the energy, my energy and my focus and things like my bed then reflect where I'm at and each night I lie in that bed. Does that make sense? Good. Made, not made, sheets perfect, no evidence that there was ever a sheet at all. There's a reflection on where I'm at. The lack of making the choice to make the bed reflects to us a little of where we are at in our own life. And we understand this to be a measure of where we are at, a need to refocus on the things that are important that give life and not to get lost in all the clutter that life can bring to us. Because if not, what we find is the clutter finds your whole life, not just your bed, but including your bed. You lie in the bed that you make. What are you using? Who are you listening to to frame the choices you make towards the life that you are leading? So bed equals life, okay, if we're not following But we're looking at the Ten Commandments. So this might seem like a bit of a a roundabout, but it will come back, I promise. So, Ash, if you can bring that up. We're looking at Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 1 and going through the verse 17. And God spoke all these words. I think I left it on NLT. So I'm going to read off the screen. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honour your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbour. You must not covet your neighbour's house. You must not cover your na- covet your neighbour's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbour. And we just pray in this moment that the Lord will speak through whatever is said from this point on and provide some insight for ourselves because about what the Spirit's doing a work in each and every one of us here. But I'm not sure about any of you, but I've never been jealous of anyone else's donkey. You've been jealous of a donkey before? Uh, I'm sort of a musician, maybe been jealous of a guitar or something like that in my time, but never a donkey, but that's not even the point. I just thought that was interesting. So we're going to move on. We can choose to see the Ten Commandments in two ways. And if we think about it, we could probably think about it in many ways, but I'm saying two ways. And one is as a set of laws given that had to be followed. And two is a little bit different to that because we look at the commandments less as laws but more so as direction and guidance. And that's where we start having a positive mindset. It requires a bit more of an open and a positive mind to see it in that way. We can actually use that thought process alone to better process all sorts of things in our own lives that spark our negative brain response over an open-minded response, because we can be very closed off at times. Don't speed. Oh, the police are out to get me. Have you heard that? Like, just don't speed. Oh, the police are out to get me. No. Speeding helps keep the roads safer, and the police are just doing their job by enforcing that sense of rules and guidance and stuff. This one example alone, I think, shows that you don't have to worry about said police if you are simply following the guidelines and the rules put in place to keep community safe and respected. But how often our mind goes to, they're out to get me. Like these laws, these rules are in place just to get me. If we do the right thing, you don't even have to worry about the law at all. So we have to start by having open minds Whenever we have a negative thought or even just whenever we need to make a decision in life, try starting by being open-minded. Easier said than done. The next step is to use the information you have around you to then make good decisions. That is the challenge God faced with the Israelites and I believe that's still happening now. Because God gave the Ten Commandments to the people to provide somewhat of a framework for obedience a framework to live as God intends us to live, and that's to live healthily, to build a relationship with God. So when we view the Ten Commandments as just laws that are handed over to Moses to sort out the Israelite community, knowing that even the idea of law can often come with a negative mindset, we aren't giving the thought process of God in handing these down any glory whatsoever. 
we're basically calling God somewhat of a dictator and taking his love for us for granted. And I don't believe any of us want to do that. Because we have another example in Scripture where God is reaching out to his loved creation, and that includes us, and giving us a way to grow closer to him. And he yet again gives us a choice. He's that word choice again. We should be thinking about that all the time. We all have choice. Because at some point, out of choice, we need to respond. We have choice, but we need to respond. Another word for these you may have heard before, another word for the Ten Commandments is Torah. Have we heard that word? It's a little bit more of a fancy biblical word. But the Torah isn't simply laws, it is deeper than that. And it goes back to what I've said before, Torah is better understood as direction or teaching, not simply law to follow. It offers more than just an expectation or a directive, it actually brings about better life if it's followed. In that, we can see this command and response theme coming through. But it is all about relationship at the crux of it. Who's read the Ten Commandments before? So I said, you might not. Have you read it before? You feel somewhat familiar with it? But have you read it before and ever seen it as a love letter? A way of building relationship? Or have we always read it and seen it as, especially when we're calling something Ten Commandments, this word command, we probably often see it as a law type thing, don't we? Have you ever viewed it in more of a sense of being open-minded? We're being open-minded here this morning, somewhat of a love letter. Torah having come directly from God then becomes, knowing that we're talking about it being teaching and direction, divine teaching and divine direction. When we look at it, we see that God is just trying to lead us towards a better life. One thing that needs to be a part of that better life is a deeper understanding of this word sacrifice because when we start to understand even sacrifice, that's where we begin to understand reliance on God and we'll start to see his provision that's already evident within all of our lives. Because right now we're in the middle of a season of Lent. Did we know that? Who knew we were in Lent? Yeah, we know we're in Lent. That's good. Lent is a period of 40 days that leads us to the time of Jesus' death and resurrection at Easter time. And deeper than that, it is a time of personal, spiritual preparation, which often has people giving up something in this attitude of sacrifice. Who, I want to see a raise of hands or a murmur or a response here, who has done Lent before? Yeah, we've done Lent before. What, what did you give up? Coffee. Oh, gosh. See, and that's where it becomes sacrifice, because... I don't think I've ever put that on the table for Lent, but we should probably consider it at some stage. Anyone else? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Was that last year? See? Yeah, I've got a memory. Okay, so I'm getting to you. Um, (laughs) People do Lent very differently to other people. Some use it as a time to fast, so foregoing food and all that stuff. Others use it as a time to focus on repentance, a time to say sorry to God, bringing them closer. Some practice moderation and living simply, not extravagantly. I actually know someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone who gave up their bed and slept on the floor for that period of Lent. Self-denial is probably the most common where you will give up something you regularly do as a way of understanding, sacrifice a little more, uh, like the Lynns have said, chocolate and coffee is examples of that. We gave up sugar one year, um, as much as you can, because sugar's in everything, my goodness. 
Uh, Brody this year, you've given up what? Soft drink, and he's loving that. Um, we don't have a lot, but you realize what you do have when you give it up, don't you? And others use it as a time to work on becoming more spiritually disciplined. So what they'll do in this case is they'll dig deeper into the Easter story or the Bible in general and commit to more focused prayer. That might mean maybe instead of binge-watching my favorite show at the moment, it's Grey's Anatomy, but that's beside the point, but for going that and using the time to be more intentional with the time with God, hopefully forming some better habits along the way as well. It's all about understanding and observing sacrifice in our own life to better relate to the sacrifice of Jesus to ultimately walk a little closer with God and be able to identify his provisions within our lives. Len is great because it is like putting a little reminder note in your phone or in your diary, I don't know who keeps a calendar, or setting an alarm. Because it's a, it's a calendared point of time in the Christian calendar. So therefore it becomes an opportunity for us to stop and think about all the ways that we aren't showing possibly even just the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22, look it up. We know them though, don't we? We remember what they are. We've talked about them before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, good lad. How we are as imperfect people aren't listening to the call of God to live in ways that honour him and reflect that truth in the way we go about our business. It's a great time to kind of recenter, reorientate, become Christ-centred rather than lost. Because the best way for God to be seen in this world is through the direct reflection of God working within our own lives and how then we go about showing it. Are we being those people? Are we shining the light of God in all the spaces that we exist in? And that is where we come back to what we know of God and the teachings that we're given. So like the Ten Commandments for the Israelites and for us, choose to have this open mind and see them not as a dictated set of rules, but as loving teachings to live healthy lives that are growing closer to God all the time. I would hope that that's all of our prayer here this morning, that we'd be growing closer to God all the time. And here's the thing. If, if we see that speed sign and it says 25K in a school zone and it's school time and we decide to ignore it and just fly through there at 60, we've made a choice. Well, there's a shock and horror. Why would you do that? I know. Why would you do that? I've seen it happen. We have made a choice to do the wrong thing before the police even have this need to pull us up for it. The choice comes before. Choice comes before the consequence. And consequence, again, can sound negative, but keep an open mind because consequence can be good or bad. All sorts of bad things could happen in that situation. Personally, you could get a fine. It would be a, a good one or not a good one. You could potentially lose your license. Heaven forbid a child could walk out onto the road at that moment and we wouldn't have time to respond. All the consequences come because of the choice that has been made. So we choose to drive 25, right? Yeah? Drop down to 25. Crazy. Here's a little fear. In Victoria, it's 40. Weird. Anyway. If we listen to the divine teachings we hear in Scripture and don't follow them obediently, there are now consequences now, but also eternal consequences that we exist within as well as, as faithful believers. 
but we are also handing down consequence to everyone who is looking at us then and thinking, I thought they were a Christian. Have, have you ever heard that in your life? Have you ever said that in your life? I'm guilty of saying that and then I need to like, you know, turn the page and look at yourself. Because we shouldn't judge, that's not our role to play. But have you looked at someone and thought that? I thought they were a Christian. I would pray that people aren't saying that still of me. But if they are, tell me because I've got some work to do. We have the Bible, we have the book of life that offers us the means to live healthily, right? God honouring lives. But we also have free will to make choice. They come hand in hand. So we have to ask ourselves, what's it going to be? What's the choice going to be? But we have to stop making time to complain about our lives if we aren't making time to stop and listening to God's instructions for our life. One won't improve without the other. God isn't standing over us with this sense of, uh, Amelia was saying she went to a party yesterday and she played kind of like that old whack-a-mole type game. God isn't standing us over us with this hammer ready to do that whack-a-mole when we pop up and do something wrong, but we will miss out on what life truly looks like if we don't think about our actions. The Ten Commandments gave more than just rules. It gave instructions and guidance. It starts with a key focus on who we should draw our attention to and who the Israelites were called to draw their attention to, and that was God and nothing else. It then speaks into the importance of setting time aside in our lives for God through worship and spending time with Him. And then God holds work-life balance of importance from verses 9 to 11 and says rest is important for our lives. But in this, the seventh day calls us towards God yet again and the need at times to recenter ourselves at the end of what can be. He says there's ordinary work. But at the end of what can be busy, distracting weeks that might unfortunately take us a little bit away from God. But bring us then back to worship and time spent with him. It's intentional. It's very well-rounded. It is only after establishing the key importance of where God is placed in our lives that then these do-nots then enter into the mix which just add this rounded feeling to how to live God-honouring lives, not just about what to do and what not to do. Because again, if we're living out things like the fruits of the Spirit, these loves, joys, peace, patience, it's greater than any law. We don't even have to worry about that. Don't murder, pretty self-explanatory. Don't steal, don't lie, honour your relationships, stay faithful to your partner and don't get caught up being jealous of what others have. The Ten Commandments challenged our lived reality. They get us to think about how we value God in our life, how we factor worship into our life and then how we live our lives in honouring God and others and they are pretty well rounded if you look at them completely. But get this, God's deliverance of the Israelite people came first. God's own deliverance of the Israelites' people came first. God protects, God provides, and God frees. And their choice to be obedient only followed from God's initiative to save them. And we live that same story. 
We live that same story. And Lent is a time of self-sacrifice in the hopes that we would better relate to the sacrifice that Jesus made to deliver us once and for all on the cross. Just as God delivered the enslaved Israelites from Egypt and delivered them through their desert wanderings, Jesus has already provided us deliverance. We just need to be obedient to follow Jesus' will for our own lives. Because God is faithful. And being faithful means keeping promises. And being faithful means being loyal to those promises. And we'll never understand that, though, if we aren't being obedient people. God showed his love for his people by giving them freedom, by providing for them and by protecting them. And you might remember, if you are here last week, Karen speaking about the importance of a name. And Abram became Abraham as God was faithful because of Abraham's obedience. And Abram went from being exalted father to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And with this promise, God is saying that Abram's obedience has brought about prosperity and growth for Abraham and his generations to come. Obedience of Abraham or Abram led to blessing. Good consequence. And the commandments are a gift from God for all of us. If God hadn't established these directions, how could the Israelites, because we need to be told sometimes, I think we can't just go on our merry way. We'll probably succumb to our own thoughts and feelings and what we want to do. But if God hadn't established these directions, how could the Israelites ever know what God intended for their lives? They wouldn't have the choice to be obedient and they wouldn't have the opportunity to, pros- to prosper from then their choices. If Karen and I never communicate, we'll probably just grow apart. We won't understand what each other needs. It's important to have that dialogue, that communication. Praise God that he gave that to the Israelites and then also for us. There's a guy called Walter Brueggemann. If you ever do any sort of studies or anything, you probably come across this guy's name. But he's a well-respected theologian and he said, these commands might be taken not as a series of rules or laws, but as, as a proclamation in God's own mouth of who God is and how God shall be practiced by this community of liberated slaves. And I love that. Laws provide structure to help us to stay out of trouble and to provide a framework for how to live in harmony with each other. And God wants harmony amongst us and with us, but he uses direction and teaching that stem from his love for us, not simply laying down the law. God is faithful, but we need to be obedient. God is faithful regardless of our obedience. But God holds to his promises, but also gave us everything we need to grow and to prosper. And I go back to the fact that we need to be open-minded people. We need to be thoughtful, not just reactive. Because that's where we'll act out of impulse. We need then to frame our choices around the things put in place to help us and to respect what is going on around us. We speed, we get a ticket. Or, Or worse. We ignore God, we ignore the opportunity to grow ourselves in our relationship with Jesus. The framework has been given to us. Our choices are our choices and we lie in the beds that we make. The Ten Commandments call us to love. 
love God exclusively and out of that love extend love to others, not some, but to all, because that is then the true reflection of God's love working through us. And then to love others and to love ourselves. The essence of God's divine teaching, not simply laws, was again to love. And I'm going to leave you with this question. Are our beds being made with love or is it left in chaos? Metaphor. What is it that's saying, what is this saying about your life and your walk with God? Because God is faithful, we need to be obedient and follow his direction and teaching for our lives. And so, as we're pondering what that looks like for ourselves, we're going to have a song play. And we've heard it before. But when we're listening to these words, I just want us to, to respond. Like this is, this is the opportunity to make a choice and to respond this morning. Because it does. It comes down to personal choice. We can hear all the things We can hear God speaking through the words of his Bible to us still now, relevant just as much as it was for the Israelite people back then. But then we can just let it go over our head. Or we can choose to just think through these things and let them just simmer, just let them work. And when I think about that whole concept of simmering to start with, it's just, it's, it's flat, isn't it? might not be a lot going on but eventually there's that bubbling that comes when we let it sit there for a while i'd like to think that the holy spirit's working within us to provide that little bit of a agitation that little bit of calling that little bit of feeling that something drawing drawing us into a deeper thought process being open-minded this morning because the words of this song say god of abraham you're the god of covenant and faithful promises stuff we've talked about in the last two weeks Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. And though the storms may come, because imperfect people in an imperfect world, troubles will find us. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word that everything he says will come to pass. When we put our faith in God, his his faithfulness to us is great. Great is his faithfulness to us. So when Ash starts this song, I just invite you all to to take the moment. If you wanted to come where we're more than happy to pray with anyone, all the time. Prayer is an amazing connection between between ourselves and God, but it's also something we can do as a community to grow together and grow closer to God together. Take this time to, to think about what your choices are reflecting for you and what your choices are leading you towards this morning.